is a special presentation of the Buccaneers Sports Network. This is the Jay and Keith Show. Two broadcasters, two microphones, and one meticulously scripted podcast. You what? Just kidding. Get it, J.K.? You get it. That's what I thought was so funny. It's not funny. Alongside Keith Brake, here's the voice of the Bucks, Jay Sandoz. Oh, it's Thursday, which means ETSU basketball's at Elon, and I've got to get on the road quickly, but we're going to get a podcast out first. We're going to talk a little ETSU women's basketball. They took on Kentucky on Tuesday. We're also going to talk football ETSU and the Blue Ridge Board. You okay over there? Basketball. ba 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 basketball Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for basketball, man. It's basketball. Let's go. Shoot the hoops. And hoop of the shoots. And ladders. And something. basketball. Right? Yeah, yeah, like. No? Yeah. Okay. okay. You were a little, uh, a little flat there. Uh, yeah. If you're relying on my singing ability. Yeah, no, I, I, I know. You sing in the key of L. The losses? No, I said, it sounds <laughs> like, I said it sounds like L. Mm. Yeah. That's an oldie bit of goodie. Classic. I like how someone broke out uh, gloom, despair, and agony from Hee Haw on George Tuesday, actually. My yes. whole week's off. I'm a Superman. It is because of the weird Monday basketball, Tuesday coaches shows, Thursday basketball. I don't know. Saturday more football. And yeah, Monday's basketball on Saturday. If you're not traveling to the Wii, then maybe come to the Brooks Gymnasium and see ETSU women's basketball. If you're not going to the Wii, go to BG. There you go. We're just... Sandos! Really? Really, Sandos? Jake Amos checking in. You want to know how I did on his picks? He did. He actually did really well. He did. He went 5-1. 5 and and Uno. The only one he missed was uh, Bedlam, and I think he can live with that because he really does not like Oklahoma State. No, he does not like Oklahoma (laughs) State. So, uh, 5-1, that's actually, I believe, the best out of all our celebrity pickers. I believe you're right. And he openly, of course, said, uh, mate, i got to pick football games, like winners. We're like, yeah, just pick somebody. Doesn't matter. Where, where is Jake from originally? Are you from England? Unicoi. Is that not right? Unicoi, England? Oh, County. I thought he was not from Unicoi. Yeah, county Unico- no. The County Unicoi? Yeah. I, I, I legitimately didn't know where he was from. I just tried to place his accent. I wasn't sure if he was from the North. Southern Hemisphere, the uh, Australia-New Zealand way, but um, regardless. No, no, he is, he is, he is not uh, Southern. He's English. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, I, I thought that was interesting. But all the same. Um, As we digress yeah. into whatever we're Count, digressing yes, into. Yes. But I'll tell you, it is full crossover season when we get uh, kind of blacking out here. Uh, last several podcasts where we're kind of like we – Sort of have a game plan, and then we turn on the mics, and then we just ramble, and we look at each other like, who, who, who's doing what? What, what? what segment are we doing? He's from Leicester, England. Okay. Oh, okay, yeah. Leicester. Yeah. Did I not say that? No. Beautiful oh. town. Beautiful town with a great soccer team. You've been there? No, but they oh. have a great soccer team. <laughs> you just City. said the beautiful town. Is there. Was, I mean, I've okay. seen some pictures. Okay. It seems all right. Yeah, yeah sure. I mean, they have some pictures of Cullowee where it looks all right, too. But you ever been there? I'll be there Saturday if you want to join. Been, the, been to the one stoplight. Cullowee, listen, there are a lot of great 
white people in Western Carolina. Culloway is small. Yeah, they're it's small and remote. There are, and let me say this: if you do some of the postcard type picture things, it is especially this time of year in the fall. It is an oh, unbelievable view. Unbelievable. In total fairness, it, you know, and it's actually going to be a little bit out, but not too far out because I mean, you can get the Asheville within an hour. You can get to Cherokee if you want to, you know, play some golf or gamble or whatever. Listen to. Um, they have, they have Cherokee that. recently because we did an MTE down there. Right. And they, well, they got bands and comedians, you know. So, I mean, there's entertainment stuff there. You get to Asheville, so you're just an hour really away. If you don't yeah. want to be bothered with things like stoplights and grocery stores and stuff, you can live in color. Now, if you want to go to the grocery store and stuff, you go to Silva, which is just down the road. A lot of people don't realize that. But when you get to the actual grocery store, you're actually in Silva, not color. I will say that the football atmosphere down there looks incredible. I have, n- I have never been to Culloway. I have never been to a game at Western Carolina. But the atmosphere on screen looks comparable to what you get at a packed Willie game. Like it, it, looks, so, it looks good and it looks loud. I, I'll say this. It sounds loud. They have always, for whatever reason, even when I was um, moved to Western North Carolina and we occasionally went to games there, um, for whatever reason, that, that Saturday between a 1 and a 3.30 start is a, is a good time for them. And they have alums that come back, tailgate, have a good time, and they get a legit and always have probably 8,500 to 12,000, depending on what's going on. They can generally get 10,000 a game. I mean, legitimately, no fudging the numbers. Um, when they're when they're not very good, they can still get that, and they get a little more than that, you know, 12,000, give or take. When they are good, they, they have a great tailgating um, lots and atmosphere, and they've done all that, and the alums will go there for football. Yep. And then you don't see them again in basketball until the conference tournament in Nashville. And then you look up and you're going, where did all of that purple come from? Because they don't, they just don't make it to basketball. It doesn't matter. They've tried different start times. I've talked to, I guess Daniel Hooker's been there now close to 20 years. And they've, tried, every, and they've tried everything. You know, do you go at 1, do you go at 3.30 or 4, 7? They, they just, basketball, they won't make the trek there. But football where it's, you know, all day festive. It's one day and yeah. it's all day. Yeah, and you're just pocketed five, six times a year, depending on the year. And you go and they do uh, turn out very well for football. And they just put Gary Ayers in their athletic hall of fame. He's been the, the voice. Uh, he's the second longest tenured voice in the league behind Jim Reynolds, who I believe is 47. Could be, I may have shorter, maybe 48th at Chattanooga. And then Gary's coming up on 40. If not, this is his 40th year at Western Carolina. So certainly. Does that uh, make you still feel young since you're only at like 20? Yes. And, uh, again, the Southern Conference is is a a rarity. Uh, I talked about this with Wade because, I mean, Gary was in Western games when like Gary did my high school game, so he still remembers me in high school. So he, <laughs> that has to make Gary fall because Gary, Daniel Hooker hates it because every time we get there, he's going to tell an East Anderson High School story, and I can Hooker's going to go, we don't care, nobody cares about the Eagles, and he just goes into the whole thing, and he's like, do you know every time we drive up here, John City, he tells the same seven stories about East High Eagles and doing your games, and I'm like, I'm, I can't help it, I'm a legend, Daniel, I'm living in your head right now, um, but. You look at Hunter Reed at Furman was there when we left. Way Brenner was there. Uh, Hooker was just coming on as a student before he went full-time there. Gary's there. Jim Reynolds at uh, Chattanooga. I mean, it is a situation where we left – each issue left the league for a decade, a little more actually, and came back and people were still there. I mean, and that just to me that shows, uh, A, 
the Southern Conference is a little bit different and how they take care of people. And I think it also shows that the league is a good league for a lot of reasons. One, it's had good football over time. Certainly it's had national championships. It's not where it was in the past. Two, it's had really good basketball. And it's had some, some top ten teams. It's had teams that have made runs in NCAA tournament. Obviously, when Steph Curry and Davidson was there, you're talking Elite Eight runs. But they've had several Sweet 16 runs. Um, I mean, Furman winning uh, last year. Wofford won a couple years ago. ETSU probably, I mean, again, the, 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 the lost dance. That needs to be our next uh, venture. We need to not do the last dance, do the lost dance of ETSU basketball and how we weren't able uh, to get that going. And that needs to be a documentary if ever Hips Lottery can do that. But uh, it's had great tradition, but because of the location, and you can get to everything, and you can see your family a lot, and you, you, you don't quite get as burned out. I mean, there's a lot of people at App State that were there forever until they left the league, and the people started dropping like flies because they got so used to, hey, you can get there about everywhere in the day. You can do all these. Then you start doing the sunbelt travel, and you don't see your family for a full week because you're on the road with all these teams, and you see it. So a little bit of the stability in the core of the league, the location of all the teams where everything's centrally located. They've always put on one of the better um, conference tournaments as far as attended and coverage and all that now some of the press stuff I've complained about but overall things that they've done a good job with so you can see that and a big mainstay of that that hasn't left is Western Carolina and that's the longest opponent ETSU's playing football yes this is the 53rd meeting between ETSU and Western Carolina in their history and uh, it, it is the most played matchup and I think a lot of people don't know that and now it was not when ETSU returned to the SOCON at the time it was at yeah but since ETSU and App no longer play each other on, on an annual basis, but the Bucks in Western Carolina and the Bucks in Chattanooga do, those two games have now, I think, well, Western has, but I think Chattanooga will next year or the year after pass App. Um, and that makes this an important game. I mean, <laughs> there's a trophy involved, which I actually kind of like. I know some people kind of roll their eyes at trophy stuff. I, I like a little bit. I mean, just add a little bit of the pageantry, give ETSU some semblance of tradition and connection to its regional peers that goes beyond just playing them all the time and being like, I don't like them. Uh, give, give, it a, give it a little bit of extra something to make it feel more like college football and uh, college football and and college football that is connected to other college football programs instead of a thing that just exists and hates everybody and, and it can't wait to get to the next thing. Kansas <laughs> State, you know, th- there's there's some tradition in that. I, I'm looking forward to this one. I have no idea what to expect. Western is kind of for a team that had championship aspirations earlier in the year. They kind of played through the last couple of weeks and it cost them against Mercer because they fumbled two of the first three kickoffs of the game and Mercer scored touchdowns, I believe, off both of them. That's not good. Now what you're looking for? Um, and ETSU has been able to run the football a little bit. Wofford was able to run the ball a little bit against this Western Carolina team last week. We were watching uh, highlights of, of, or just cut-ups of, uh, of last week's game um, for the Terriers and the Catamounts. And Wofford on the left side of the line had all kinds of room. Now, see, if you give Trey Foster that kind of work behind Chris Everhart and Stevie Flores, I think you can move the football a little bit. So ETSU is going to have some opportunities to run. It's just, again, can they get something going in the pass game? And how much can you change course in midstream with some of the swing passes, screen passes, bubble game, jet action off of that? How do you add wrinkles? 
force to your offense to try to get the ball moving in the pass game a little bit more, that's going to be the challenge that I think is laid before uh, Bryce Partrick in particular uh, as a pass game coordinator, quarterbacks coach, primary play caller. That's somebody that's that's got to deliver in a big way schematically in order for the pass game to get going because I think the run game is about where ETSU wants it. They finally, it took them long enough, but they finally hit the sweet spot in the run game. It's just where does the pass game come from? That's going to be the billion-dollar question, I think, because you're going to load, if you're Western, you're going to load the box. You know, we saw that a little bit um, last week with BMI until it got the pass downs, and then they just drop eight, you know, rush three or four, and uh, ETSU, not a lot of places to throw the football. So I think they got to start throwing the ball on first down some. Not a lot because I think ETSU and just watching the last several games of West Carolina, they've had a hard time against the rush. ETSU has had great success over the years uh, running the football, even back in the Bristol Motor Speedway game. You know, when ETSU was, was really struggling with line, you had 19-year-old kids on the line at that time instead of 18-year-olds. They still had great success running the football. So can they do that? Can Trey Foster have another all-around spectacular game? And we do have an 18-year-old on the line now, Miana Jones. That's true. Who's playing really well, and it sounds like they're going to burn his red shirt for the end of the season. Yeah, and I would say for him, I don't know, you know, burn – He's going to end up starting, if he starts the last two games, he would have started five games, he would have played in six, and he would have averaged 75 to 80 plays in all those games. So to me, that's slightly different than if they play Lambert this week, that's game four. If they play him in the last week, then I think that's a burn because he may not only have 30 carries the whole year, and he would have played on 60 plays. I always say burn because that is the common parlance. Correct, 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 right. Yes, you're sorry, you're not taking a shot at the staff when you're saying you're no, just, no, no. the common terminology is you burn, burn the red shirt. Right. But as we have learned, the uh the, the your mind and its inner workings are dark and bright and sometimes very chaotic. And not always in, in alignment with everyone else. I, I yes. Fair. Which and I, I think that reflects in your mean. I'm not. I refuse to do it. Reach over me all you want to. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? He texted me at 2 in the morning. Please. The number four. Five weeks? And he never brought it up again. So, middle of the door, he sent me munch, no, no, from, from, no. Ain't no punctuation ever. He's got to have letters missing from his keyboard. Who is that? I'm still trying to figure that one out, bro. two basketball games and a football game in the same weekend. It was a 6 a.m. email that said, Shoe runs my world, curls. Which either meant, who runs the world, girls, that Beyonce song, or was just a terrible shoe joke. I don't even know why that would be a... What's the punchline of shoe runs my world, curls? I think you were just... All these are made up. These are false, Keith. Sure they are. This is character assassination you're probably about to do right here. No, your word of the day is mean. M-I-E-N, mean. Well, there was a, I watched the movie Mean Girl one time, 
That's not it. That's, that's not it. Is, is that no, it? that's M E A N. Oh, which can mean a couple of which can mean a couple of different things. It can be referencing a definition. It can be an average. It can be uh, an adjective describing one's behavior. Uh, as you are a very mean person. Can I, can I get an origin of the word? Um, let me see. I, I'm trying to find it. Um, Do you know what it is? I'm try, well, I'm trying to find a specific origin. I okay. don't have an origin for it. It is, a, it is a noun. It's spelled M-I-E-N. Let me see if I can find it. Um, it, it is a, it's a literary term. It arose in the early 1500s, and I believe it is English. It's like 1500s English. But it might be German. Uh, okay. No, I got it. Okay. It's all the way at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Old English word um, has its roots in common or shared. Uh, it is also a source word for demeanor. is also the definition of me. Demeanor. Yes. That's my final answer. Persons of demeanor or appearance, especially as expressive of their attitude or personality. Mm-hmm. I just sprung that on you. Are, are you done? Can I hit the test off this? <laughs> just, yeah, let's, let's, talk, I, let's talk about basketball. We, 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 we will, but what, what did I say the other day that stumped you? Was it you and Hutzel were in my office, and I said something, and y'all both just stared at me, and I had to rework the word because whatever oh, I said. God. And I said, thank goodness we weren't on air right there. But, uh, that's, a, that's like a daily occurrence, though. No, that's one. If you – I do not recommend anybody follow me around with any topic. I, a lot of people are like, hey, with all your kids and you're running around and your cool jab and all that stuff, you should have, like, one of those reality shows. I was like, no. No, you should not have more people around you with microphones. Yes. And, and I said, then uh, you could edit – everything I say that doesn't make sense, and it will be a whole show. You gave me a piece of advice one time, and it stuck with me. And if I ever write a book, like an autobiography or a memoir, if I ever make it that big, it's going to be the title of that book. It's, I don't need your help to get fired. <laughs> yes. I've told many of people that. <laughs> you don't need the help of a TV crew. <laughs> there, there are so many people that have worked for me that have done something or asked, oh, we had to do this. And I said, listen here. And I've, I've 23 years now, I've told people this. I don't need your help getting fired. I can do that on my own. Don't do that. Okay? Let me let me get fired on my own. Okay. Let's, basketball. Uh, uh, we, we don't have a basketball bumper. We don't have a basketball we bumper. Basketball. No, we, we should. We really should have, like, the John Tesh SNL. I, I'm just going to do it right now. Hmm? Basketball. Give me, give me, give me the ball because I'm going to dunk it. There. Okay. All right. That should give you a pretty easy time code. Should not be hard to find oh, I got it. in the way. I got it. I got it. You got it? I got it. I got it. ETSU men's basketball Monday against King. We talked about that one on Tuesday. So now it's on to uh, the school that shares the name with the owner of the artist formerly known as Twitter, Elon. The Phoenix out in uh, beautiful Guilford County. It is a beautiful place uh, with a great soccer team that plays at Greensboro. Actually, they weren't that good this year. But normally, they're actually pretty decent. Uh, Elon and ETSU, they played on the neutral site last year at the Asheville Championship, not the National Championship and not the SoCon Men's Basketball Championship, the Asheville Championship. And ETSU won that game on a neutral floor with big production from several players who are no longer on the roster. So it's a very different team, whereas Elon, I think, has a little bit 
He started out blistering hot against Wake Forest and then collapsed in the second half as the Steve, the fighting Steve Forbeses, found their way back to found their way back to a win, a comfortable win by the end. I think it was like a 46-point swing by the end of it all uh, for Elon. Yeah, it was like a 48 to 22 second half. Or no, Wake had to put up 50-some in the second half. It was like 57-22. It was like a 30-point beatdown in the second half. And Elon, A, they hit some shots early, and Wake had trouble kind of moving the ball, and then it started to slowly turn at the end of the first half, and then it was like a blitzkrieg started the second half, and then, and then from there it was just downhill, and Wake got going. Um Zach Urban, the local product out of Gate City, one of his better games. He's in the sixth season now. He's coming off a couple uh, knee surgeries, but now he's a couple years removed from the last one, and he looked to be moving much better. And I didn't watch a whole lot of this yet just because we're in that weird crossover season and yeah. not able to, to, to get a whole lot there. But Elon had some guys that they lost from last year's squad too. Obviously, ETSU has four of the five top guys, I think, that it's let them in scoring. Actually, I think Seymour was fourth and Struthers was fifth in last year's game in scoring. So this is, for both teams, this will be a completely different game. The only maybe thing going for Elon is they have the same head coach, Billy Taylor. Not that Billy Taylor here in this building, but the other Billy Taylor. is in his, uh, I think, second or third season now. But he's um, he's there. They got some things. Elon's going to shoot threes. That is sort of their mainstay, not quite the analytic type, layup three type deal. They will take mid-range jumpers and stuff, and they've got a few guys that can hit those, but they're looking for the three ball. Last year, ETSU really hurt them with pick and roll action. The problem is that's not really what Brooks Savage wants to do. Two-fold into this game. Elon played Wake, whose offense is going to look exactly similar to what ETSU's is because Brooks Savage ran the offense last year at Wake Forest. They're still doing that. That's what ETSU's going to run. Obviously, uh, Coach Woody and Coach uh, Forbes has already kind of given the scouting report to Elon. So kind of knowing what Elon's going to do, Brooks Savage has. So I don't know who has the schematic advantage there. Is it Elon's played that type of uh, offense, but obviously step down in players, let's be honest, Wake Forest, ETSU, especially right now with ETSU trying to figure it out. Or is it the fact that Brooke Savage is going to have an in-depth uh, defensive scout from Jason Shea and B.J. Mackey on what's going to happen? I'll, I'll offer a, a secret third option. Neither team has the advantage. Mm. It's going to come down to who executes better on, on Thursday night. Oh, they're going to say who scores more. No, it's just who executes better. Because if the two teams are stylistically not that different, because ETSU wants to take a lot of threes as well, uh, then both of these teams are interested in shooting outside shots, and whichever team does that better will win the basketball game. Also, Elon has probably has some opportunities, based on what they've seen on film, to create additional possessions for themselves by selling out on the offensive glass. King sent four guys, King sent five guys a couple times to the offensive glass to go get the ball. Elon's going to see that and say, well, hey, We've got better athletes than they do. We can do that, too, and we can do it better. And then that can lead to more threes. They could probably send four guys and have one good shooter out on the perimeter 
overwhelm ETSU with numbers, then you just have to find that one guy and take more shots. But whichever team is more consistent from the perimeter will win this game because I don't think they're all that different in terms of style of play. There is obviously not a significant tactical advantage based on, well, we haven't seen this team or they haven't seen this or blah, blah, blah. This is just going to be straight up who executes better. And that's going to be that simple. I think rebounding could second chance points might be a concern for ETSU maybe more than Elon, as you mentioned, with the five. But, yes, uh, Elon hit nine. Is that right? No. Yeah, nine threes in the first half. And you do that, certainly that gives you a good jump start. But they were just one of nine in the second half. Again, consistency. Yeah. Whichever team is more consistent in its execution on the perimeter, whether that's making shots, if that's executing screens, whatever it is, moving the basketball. ETSU's ball movement was great against Wise, and it was very, very sticky against King need to be more like you were against Wise, and I think they'll be okay and able to go on the road and get a win. But if it's more like what they did against King offensively, this is going to be a struggle. 6.30 tonight, 7 o'clock. If you're listening to us on Thursday, will be our coverage on the Buccaneers. Sports Thursday night! If you're listening on Friday and uh, we get all these things wrong, you can just uh, let us know. But uh, that's our thoughts. Uh, it's our sure first can. thoughts. First thoughts. What are you, your thoughts on ETSU women's basketball? Mm-hmm. And last night in Kentucky, had chances. So, uh, Tuesday night in Kentucky. Oh, it was Tuesday night. Thank you. Tuesday night. Boy, I'm telling you, days are running together. It's been a rough little, and it will be for another, until we get through Thanksgiving. The crossover season gets well, a little, you little get your my, my crossover season ends the night of the 18th, since we are not broadcasting the game at Presbyterian uh, for women's basketball on the 19th. That's not on our schedule. sit down. I'm going to uh, indulge in a beverage I'm choosing, and I'm going to relax. Diet Pepsi and a cigar, like uh, Randy Sanders. By the way, maybe not the cigar, but can, yeah. Can, can, can I throw this out there? Can, I think it Randy, don't look like a Diet Pepsi. Randy Sanders should absolutely sue uh, Mike Gundy for gimmick infringement, because I don't <laughs> know if you saw that, but that is 100% gimmick infringement. Yeah. I think Randy Sanders was saying that way, way before Mike Gundy tried to make it cool the other night about, uh, you know, his beverage or whatever he'd said. What is it? Was it Pepsi or something? They said, was it? Well, really, it's just whiskey. Were you some kind of gimmick hipster? Nah. That's, I mean, listen, man has a gimmick. You can't steal his gimmick. I mean, I don't I don't walk around being Gus Johnson. and He was doing this gimmick before this guy did it, and it went mainstream, and he ruined it. He gentrified the gimmick. Is that what you said? Mike Gundy gentrified Randy Sanders. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. Any ETSU fan knows what the code was for cigar and a Diet Pepsi, right? And then he goes, I'm going to drink Diet Pepsi. And he says, well, it's really just whiskey. Yeah. Well, Well, the cigar wasn't code. That was just a cigar. Yeah. Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. No, I I think the cigar was a cigar. But I'm just. Okay. All right, let's talk women's basketball. I don't know how we got all that again. How Mike Gundy. Again, this is you. one of the – I agree. You. I agree. This is one of those deals. Again, to get a crossover season and things are going. I, let me say this. I was because of the coaches show breaking down and doing things. Oh, I missed a lot of the early part of the game. 
I got tuned in right before, I guess it was mid-second quarter, and watched most of that all the way through the end. Uh, I think I was a little bit in the third quarter. I missed for some reason or another. But for the most part, saw it. Um, ETSU, I thought, uh, considering some of the other slow starts, was, was impressive. And Talk about making shots. I think it came down to some of that again. ETSU spurts really empty possessions, too many empty possessions, whether that was turnovers or missed shots. But there were too many empty possessions, and when you play a power five or a good basketball team, uh, you can't have you know four or five straight empty possessions. you got to have something positive. You get to the free throw line, draw a foul, offensive rebound, even if you don't score, something like that. And they had a couple of those quick down the court, a turnover, miss shot, whatever, and then bam, it was going the other way. And I think that's what that's what cost him. Kendall Foley was amazing. She forced a couple of shots there late, and I'm going, "What is she? Oh yeah, good shot. I mean, it's, you know, a couple of those. Which you know, she's there were a couple where I mean, she just blew right by three oh, defenders yeah. and laid it in, just streaking down the right side of the lane. So Kendall's got the explosiveness that I think she needs to have a big year scoring the basketball. And the you know, 22 points, five and fives. Pretty solid in the first inning, right? Five assists, five rebounds. You'll take that. I'd say you take that from your starting point guard. Yeah, yeah. Two steals. Uh, I Courtney mean, Moore looked really good. I mean, there were some things on on defense, and I, I talked to Brandon Mockbride about this. There were some things on defense that they need to clean up with with Courtney, um, just where she's just trying to make she's just trying to make stuff happen. She's trying to make plays, and she's she's doing the Sheldon Arnold thing, right? Where Sheldon Arnold abandons his assignment to go make a play, and um, sometimes Sheldon makes that play. And sometimes Sheldon does not, and he's out of position. Uh, Courtney kind of did the same thing. Sometimes she made the play. Sometimes she did not. And uh, against a team like Kentucky, you kind of just have to sit down and guard. Um, that will benefit Court, I think, a little bit later in the year. But she's got the slash in her game where she can get to the basket. She's got the reverse layup. She's really good catching off the cut. She does a lot of good things and played well last night overall. First time in three years she has started this season 100% healthy. She has come into – the last two years, not uh, healthy. And so I think yeah. that showed oh, the fact that she was 100%. Yeah, because last year, last year she had like a wrap on her hand. She had a brace on her ankle. I, she was just just beat up the first. Had a leg and shoulder two years ago and, yeah. and just, missed some yeah. early games. And, and you can attest this, but you miss those early games, and then you start to come back, and it takes you a while still to get there. She hit the ground running 100% this year, and the numbers, I think if you go back and look at her first games played last couple of years and this, I think it's night and day. And I think it's because she's healthy. And, and it prob- maybe it's for if everybody's 100%, I get that, but specifically for Courtney, she has not been. And so getting her 100% and getting that type of effort out of her, uh, obviously if they can get that, that will be great. Not, not worry about Nevaeh Brown, a little bit rough night shooting. You know, she, She's streaky. Those, those, those nights will come for her. Yeah, I think some of that was in the fourth quarter when, again, ETSU just needed somebody to go make a play, and she started taking some shots that were not really within anybody's game. Also, Kentucky did, uh, you know, I talk about the one stat all the time. They made more free throws than ETSU attempted. And when you play those type schools, you know it's going to be that way regardless. Just like when ETSU played King the other night. uh, I mean, talked to Gillespie afterwards. Of course, he's like, well, I'd like a few more calls to go our way. And I'm like, well, we go play, you know, Butler. I'd love a few more calls to go our way too, but it's not going to happen. It's just one of those deals. And yeah, I, mean, I, I, I honestly, I didn't think in the second half that that many calls were that fifty-fifty. To be honest, I think there were a couple 
that were, you know, they're the SEC team and you're not. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I and, thought – And I'm not saying that cost them the game. Don't get me wrong. I, I thought for the most part Kentucky just put ETSU in bad spots. And especially once they started to get a little bit of momentum and they played with more confidence, they were moving the ball a little bit better. I think ETSU went to more man-to-man toward the end of the game as opposed to the zone. And that probably helped Kentucky a little bit too. And that led to more fouls. And then, of course, I mean, 12 of the 36 free throws were attempted in the last two minutes when ETSU started fouling. So I don't know that I read too much into that. I think there are some things, again, that ETSU needs to clean up. Uh, you know, has got, got some things to work on. Um, I think Journey McDaniel probably came away from that game pretty disappointed in her effort, and, and she fouled out with no points. That, that's something that's not going to happen very often. And I, this is a, an encouraging start. This is an encouraging starting point for me uh, for, for ETSU. But I know, because I was over there this morning, I talked to Mock, uh, you know, saw some of the players. They're disappointed with that game. They felt like they had a chance to go win. And they went in there, and they were aggressive. I knew that was coming. They were going to be the more aggressive team. They were the more connected team. And they, they put fear into Kentucky. And that, on its own, to me, bodes well for where this team is going to be when we get to SoCon play. Still stuff to work on, still things to get better at, still areas where I think individual players have some controllable things that they can improve on, but I'm good with that in game number one. Don't get a twist. I'm fine with that. I expect that. I expect there to be kinks. I expect there to be um, uh, creases that need to be ironed out of this team in game number one. Honestly, I'd be more concerned if there weren't. Because at that point, you're saying, okay, well, this team is now playing its best basketball in November. What's going to happen when we run out of steam in February? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That's bad. That could be really bad. So I am perfectly fine with where this team is going into a Lafayette game that I expect them to win. They don't have the same um, explosive wing scorer that was Giselle Thomas, who went off against the Leopards last year up in Pennsylvania. But they should be okay against the Lafayette team. has got a pretty experienced starting five, but is also trying to figure out what the depth picture looks like for them down the bench. Noon tip for that. And ESPN be plus myself and Bruce Tranbarger on the call. You want to pick some games? Sure. The best games of the week, or at least the ones these two dorks want to watch. Yeah! It's the pick six. You that up all by yourself? All right. And we are getting down to crunch time. I can clinch the pick six if I am leading. What do you by, win? I lead by seven or more games. What do you win? What do you win? What do you win? Um, I win. Exactly. I don't know. I exactly. Win, I win um, not having to fix your rickety toilet. How about that? Oh, yeah, that's what I, I was to fix that. Come on by. I win not having to fix that. That's what it, I wasn't confident I was going to have to fix that. Not that you would want me to fix it anyway. Uh, all right. So I have a seven-game lead on Sandos. Technically, I guess it's what would that be? It'd be six and a half. But still. If I am leading by more than se- by seven games or more, I clinch at least a share of the Pick Six Championship for 2023. 50-yard line. 
let's have, let's have some fun with it. Let's pick some games that are kind of gross and un, un, unenthusiastic, unexciting. Um, UT Martin at SEMO. If SEMO wins, they have a path to the playoffs. If they lose, it is over. And actually, a UT Martin win here helps Gardner Webb potentially sew up the automatic bid because Gardner Webb doesn't play SEMO, I don't believe, and has a win over UT Martin. So a UT Martin win helps Gardner Webb, which could hurt the SOCON in some ways because you really want one team clearing away out of the OEC Big South Challenge or whatever. Uh, okay. Uh, so UT Martin had a win on the, on the miracle deflected pass guy laying on his back to beat Tennessee Tech. UT Martin, Massey says, 53% chance to win since it's in Markham. Uh, and uh, a projected final score of 31 to 29. So this one's tight. Sometimes when things like that happen, happen for a reason, I'll go Skyhawks. You're going Skyhawks. Uh, I'm looking. <laughs> There's no way that the same SEMO team that lost to Robert Morris last week at home is going to come out and, and play another end, right? No way. That team lost by a point to Southern Illinois. They lost by a field goal to Eastern Kentucky. And the reason they did that is because they're one quarter short of a dollar. They've only they've got three good quarters in them, and then that's it. Give me UTM here as well. Leave calling UTM. Okay. Give me Dixon County High School West to win this matchup. 40 yard line. South Dakota at North Dakota. The possibility of a seam on the line here between the Coyotes and the Fighting Hawks. The game is in Vermillion. And USD, a slight favorite in Massey, 54-46. Projected final score, 27-24. Big fan of uh, the defense of North Dakota. And I think defense travels, defense wins. I'm going to take a rare road team in I'm going to take North Dakota. You're gonna you, you like defense, but you don't like the team that held two of its last three opponents to seven or fewer points. Do not, including Southern Illinois and Carbondale. Great. Uh, also, UND is notoriously bad on the road. I am taking because I, I had this game wrong. It's uh, I thought it was initially I thought it wasn't North Dakota, and I was going to take South Dakota or I was going to take North Dakota because UND at the Alaris Center and UND anywhere else are two. Give me the Coyotes here. The Coyotes are a national seed, maybe a top five team in the country, even though they got their doors blown off at home by South Dakota State. So you're taking the Fighting Hawks. I am taking the Yotes to win this one. 30-yard line, Sanford at Mercer. This is Mercer's regular season finale. If they win it, they are almost assuredly in the FCS playoffs. If they lose it, they probably aren't. And they are at home in Macon. Big one for them, and Massey says a 51% chance for the Bears to win 29-28 projected final score. This one is one of those where I feel like every time the Southern Conference is primed to get multi, multi, multi teams in, several teams lose. Yes, and I've had that thought all week. And that is where it's a bit scary for me for the simple reason – you know, Mercer's come out and played really kind of, at times, not very 
uninspired football if you watch it, but then they can put together turnovers and it changes things quickly. Then against VMI, they used a pick six early against the Citadel, but then it was a second half barrage of four turnovers that really kind of pushed it out a little further. It's the one team that Samford recently has had a bit of a struggle with because of the way Mercer can get after the quarterback and because the line is so much worse than it's been in the past. I'm going to reluctantly think the Southern Conference is going to make a stride forward here because Mercer's going to win, but tradition says that this is a perfect game for Mercer and Western or Chad or somebody to lose, and so they don't get in. So, But I'm going to think they break the mold. If this game were at Sanford, Mercer would lose it. If this game were at Sanford, Mercer would lose. Mercer would be 7-4 and four with three FCS losses. Mercer would get tossed from the playoff field at the end. Well, they would get tossed, but they would be one of the first four out. They would play in the FCS version at the NIT if there were one. Actually, I don't hate that idea. They have like a little four-team tournament that's just like an invitational. It's the first four teams looked at. Ooh, the Vegas uh, four that isn't the four. Uh, no, be a Vegas eight, but they only have four teams in. Uh, but then I get to go to Vegas. I'm all in. I thought it was 16 that they only had. They only had it was, but I was trying to do, you know, football versions, so they didn't do yeah, too many. But, yes, it was the Vegas 16 that went to 8, and then they tried to sell everybody. Well, really, we did 16 because it's 2016, because that made sense. But go ahead. Uh, I am a little – I am cautiously optimistic like you with this one. Um, I'm, I'm taking the Bears. I'm taking Mercer to win it. All right, now we're going to get real sickos. Let's get sickos. Can we get sickos? I am ready. This is a first. Robert Morris coming off a win. Wow. And Charleston Southern also coming off a win. Robert Morris torpedoed SEMO's at-large hopes last week. Charleston Southern probably torpedoed Tennessee State's at-large hopes last week. And now they meet in Moon Township at high noon on Saturday. Charleston Southern, a heavy favorite over the hosting I don't care who Robert Morris upsets until Robert Morris wins, I don't know, three games a year. I'm never going to take Robert Morris. They're, they've won three games this year. Great. I'm still taking Charleston Southern. <laughs> Four games. I don't know. Sorry. I should have looked at whatever. I don't look at these. You just well, yell you them just out. magically, automatically move the goalpost. You're the goalpost mover. That's what you are. They should get you out there with a gator every time the wind knocks the goalposts askew. You, you should be the one fixing it. Uh, man, part, part of the reason that I'm not going to pick Robert Morris is because that's their first D1 win since September 9th, and they beat St. Francis in that first game. Um, I just don't see it. I don't see a second. They poured everything they had into going on the road and winning that game. I think Charleston Southern is the better team. Southern's been a more consistent team. They put a scare into a couple teams a couple times this year. Uh, and Bucks back Bucks. So give me Charleston Southern. Ten yard line. Someone's O has got to go. O and nine, Western Illinois at O and nine, Indiana State. I'm not going to give you the numbers for this one. I'm not going to give you the You just tell me what's your gut. Western Illinois is my gut. Now, out of all, I knew you were going to do some games, and I had a few 
few other like four and five and three and seven matchups out there I thought you were going to go with that I know you're going uh, back to back over and overs because I begged you and I'm hoping the last one is the one I've been begging for for a couple shows but I'm going to take the leather next I guess uh, I'm going to take Indiana State Indiana State's a heavy favorite Indiana State oh, of course you're taking a heavy favorite uh, Indiana State's the better team uh, they played USD tough they played uh, North Dakota tough on the road this is a team that's finally started to figure some things out it's too little too late they played Youngstown they held Youngstown State to 19 uh, very few people have been able to do that this year uh, that is a team that I think has figured some things out defensively Western Illinois is uh, extremely leaky on defense they have scored uh, 20 points in their last four games Missouri State 48-7 North Dakota State 52-7 Southern Illinois 63 rip Northern Iowa 50-6 Indiana State's better Indiana State's going to win this game for this team Indiana State wins by two touchdowns and uh, Kurt Mallory finally gets a win yeah, next year I'm going to need this list earlier I feel like I'm at a disadvantage you actually said don't look Let's go, baby. I'm ready. Is this it? Is this it? I'm going to give you you validation here. Validation. Uh, South Dakota State. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It is. Oh, you were kidding. No, I was kidding. I was ready. I figured you were not going to. Wofford at the Citadel. I'm just going to. I am going to give you the numbers for this one. Wofford is a slight favorite in Massey. 64% chance to win. Projected final score of 24 to 20. I really want to go. You know, Maurice is my guy. And I really want to go Citadel. They have done some things to try offensively to, to be a little bit relevant. And they've had a couple of games where they've been able to move the football but just either can't score in the red zone or like last week, the turnovers just were too much, and there's always something. I will point out that Citadel's season high is 16 points. Wofford has done a better job last few weeks creative offensively. It looks like, um, you know, Corston's back. He was throwing the ball much better. That's a different offense when, when he is in there. And I think they have some confidence over the last few weeks what they've been able to do against some of the higher-tier teams. So I'm going to ride – the Wofford Terriers on the road against my guy, Maury Street. Wofford. I'm going to pick Wofford, too. I don't want to. I want to be dramatic and put my flag in the ground and say, this one's for you, Kevin Marshall. I'm picking the Citadel Mountain, but I just can't. I can't. This The Citadel. than square one. It's square negative one for Maurice trying to build an identity in this team. Um, he had so much work to do in recruiting. It was not going to be possible to do all of it or even most of it or even some of it in, in season number one, offseason number one. This offseason is going to be critical for the Bulldogs and the Terriers have just a few more pieces. They don't need a lot, but they just have enough. I think they win this game it's a fourth quarter game. It's a game down to the last five minutes, but Wofford finds a way. Point after. I, I've got a surprise for you on my point after. This is one, if you're new to the pick six, the point after the PAT is a pick. We have to pick a significant underdog and, in Massey, and uh, it doesn't hurt us if we get it wrong, but we get a win if we get it right. We 
don't take a loss if we get it wrong. Sandoz, I have mine. I already have it. I know I know this one. I have a good feeling on this one. What's yours? Okay, so I had three that I was looking at. And because you said it that way, you're go- I'm going to take one off the board. Because I was looking at Southern Illinois. But no, I- no, 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 no. I said I'm taking them off the board because okay. I've, I have a feeling that's where you're going. I didn't know you were going there until I heard how you said it. So one of my three, well, that was one. I was looking Towson at Villanova just because Towson's made no sense. And games are supposed to lose, they win. And games are supposed to win, they lose. So in that regard, I was looking at Towson. And then I found the glory pick that's got me really excited because I didn't take him earlier this year, and it cost me. And there's not many times in life you can utter the words, I'm going with Prairie View A&M at Southern. But I'm going Prairie View A&M at Southern. I had them earlier this year, and I talked myself out of it. Go back to the pod where I'm like, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, and boom, I didn't. basketball, by the way, absolutely stomped UNLV last night. So shout out to the Jacks for that. But you're going with Prairie View A&M. I am going Prairie View. Did that team lose like 80 games in a row at one, at one time? Yes, yeah. back in the 90s into the Let's do mid to, Let's from do early it. 2000s on. Yes, it was a long time. So I'm going there, and I'm assuming I know where you're going. Southern there. Illinois is going to beat North Dakota State. They're going to go into the Fargo Dome, and NDSU's offense is going to look really good in the first quarter, and then it's going to stall out because SIU's defense is good. I think NDSU will probably score on its first possession, and Southern will take a little time to get it in a rhythm, but once they do, I just don't see how that defensive line holds up. Uh, SIU is going to win this game. It's not going to be high scoring. I think it could be t- 21 might be enough to win it. Uh, 17 could be enough to win it. I don't know, I don't know that it would be, but it could be. Uh, this is a, a hard-fought, chippy Valley football game, and uh, North Dakota State just doesn't have the defense this year, I don't think, to make this happen. Um, And their offensive firepower is streaky. I'm going with Southern Illinois, a team that feels hard done by based on their effort last weekend while winning some really good U.S. And North Dakota State will have a must-win at the Uni Dome to make the playoffs. I don't letting that sit for a second. I don't think six and five gets them in. <sighs> don't for, I've, I've got Southern Illinois in there. Don't forget, it will be ETSU Elon uh, tonight, Thursday. If you're listening to this on a Thursday, if it's Friday, it already happened. Go look at the results. Saturday, ETSU men's basketball at UCLA. That's University of Colorway left after Asheville for those of you checking. And you'll be doing uh, women's basketball there Saturday at noon as well. Yes, I will. I'll be doing women's basketball TV Lafayette. Jim, veteran Lafayette starting five, bench still trying to get some things going. Bucks have a really good opportunity to go out and get a win. Every Jay and Keith show feels like a win because it's one more day and we got to do our thing on the Buccaneer Sports Network.